welcome to Your Killer Life, where together we tackle the reality of surviving a killer diagnosis like cancer, and I help guide you through creating your killer life. I am your host, Tammy Grable Woodford, and in this podcast, we aren't leaving anything out as my guests and I share deeply personal insights and experiences as we talk about trauma, loss, treatment options, caregiving, side effects, money. Hey, we open it all up. In fact, we are even going into the forbidden zone to talk about sex, relationships, and mental health. Remember, the conversations you hear on the show are based on unique experiences and varying diagnoses, and we all had our own medical teams. We are not giving medical advice. So if you hear something inspiring, please talk with your providers. All right. Are you ready? I know I am. So let's get busy and start building your killer life. Hello, and welcome back to Your Killer Life. I am so excited for this week's guest. We are talking with Kat Phillips, and she is with Sexy Soul Search. And so, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of sex talk on this one, but probably not in the way that you're thinking. Kat is not only is she just amazing, and I would say a long lost breastie of mine, but she is a body and soul coach. She's a cancer thriver. And I love that because that is often how I refer to myself. I survivor just seems so minimal when thriver is really what is possible. And she is out there redefining sexy and talking about how sexy and redefining that and reconnecting with the soul are tied together. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Podcast today, Kat. It's so great to be here, Tammy. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. This is such an important topic. And I think it's a topic that we honestly don't really, I was going to say we don't talk about enough, but you know, I kind of want to phrase it as maybe we're learning to own. Like we are learning to take back some of this language and redefine it as part of our femininity and our growth after these experiences. But before we get into all of that stuff, which this is going to be a great conversation, tell us a little bit about you, about your experience, your diagnosis, because I think that it is so helpful for us to hear from other women who have been there, done that, been through it, and all of our experiences being so unique. So tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So yeah, Sexy Soul Search really was born from my experience, obviously. And about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And about a year after that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I had a back-to-back double whammy. And um, so I went through treatments and tons of surgeries and took a a few years to really kind of get ahead of, you know, the, the Hodgkin's lymphoma. And so I've been recovered fully from that since. Since then, but then over the last several years, I kept having recurrences with the breast cancer. So I had implants and many surgeries and changing of implants. And it seemed to me at that time, unfortunately, that I was so focused on the cosmetic outcome of my treatment rather than the health of my body, which is really, you know, a sad thing, right? Many surgeries, recurrences, the body just kept getting, my body kept getting more mutilated and more mutilated. And um, the last straw was that I decided 
to remove the implants because I thought maybe they just weren't working for me. Maybe they had something to do with the recurrence. The cosmetic surgeons will say no, but in my heart, I just thought that was the thing to do. So I had them removed and I was still desperate for um, some sort of semblance of breasts, you know, so I opted for fat transfer, fat grafting procedures. And I had a couple of those and I had complications and lo and behold, I had another recurrence of breast cancer. So I said, you know what, Kat, what are you doing? This brings a whole new meaning to Drop Dead Gorgeous. Like you are so focused on trying to, to have a beautiful body, that something that you can be proud of, that you're risking your health and your life for this you know, image that you have in your mind that probably you won't ever achieve. So um, I went through quite a dark place, quite depression, you know, at that last um, recurrence and, and the fat grafting didn't even take. So I actually looked worse than I ever did um, throughout the years. And something clicked in me that I said, I have to be okay with this. I cannot keep going under the knife and um, re-injuring, injuring um, my body. And so I took some time to really mourn the process. I grieved the body that I once knew and I knew that I would never get that back or even some semblance of that. It is what it is. And so I really started to look at modalities of um, emotional healing, spiritual healing, and uh, meditation, breath work, that kind of thing. And I went on like a soul search. And um, it took about a year. That's what birthed sexy soul search because I decided that I am going to redefine sexy and that I am more than my physical self and that my sexiness radiates from my soul and who I am at a deep soul level is who I am. And that is what is sexy. I am empowered. I am confident. I am beautiful. I am every, all of those things down to my soul. And that was, I had a spiritual awakening, basically. And so, so that was the turning point for me. And I discovered that if this can be a turning point for me, how can I help other women the same way? Because I never, in the 10 years that I've been through this process, have never been spoken to about the emotional side, the mental side, um, you know, that trauma um, about, you know, how I look physically and how it's okay to look this way. And I get to decide that I'm enough. And it doesn't matter what anybody else might think, you know? So for me, it was, it was a um, spiritual journey of self-discovery. And, um, you know, I feel that if I can help people, if I can be of service to women or anybody with body image issues, but for me, because I'm a, cancer survivor that is near and dear to my heart. But there are so many people in this world that are struggling with body image concerns. And so this speaks to anybody and everybody, you know, even people we think might not have any sort of, um, you know, self-doubt they, you know, inside, we don't know what people are feeling. So that, that's my story kind of, uh, abbreviated, but, um, yeah, so, so here I am today and I've been through, 
you know, relationships and, and been single and been married and have dates. And I, you know, dated when I had expanders in and I actually during my chemo way back, um, during the Hodgkins, I actually dated, did online dating and wrote an article about it called chemo courtships. And I had no hair and, you know, so, <laughs> so I, you know, it, it's a really interesting topic and subject to discuss because whether you're single or married or, you know, with a long-term relationship or a new relationship or a potential new relationship, this is important conversation to have. It is. It is so significant and it's so hard to own it in a society that sort of conditions women from childhood to seek outer validation and external validation for their beauty, for, for what is acceptable, for it's just, there's, a, I think, a lot of pressure that is unique to women in this area. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask, what type of breast cancer did you have? Um, I was diagnosed with DCIS. DCIS. Okay. And I get that. Um, I want to make sure that to answer that, because I know that that helps others who are going, going through that to relate. And mine was ILC. And I think it's also too important to point out because I did not know until I had my breast cancer diagnosis that there were so many different types of breast cancer. And Absolutely. so I always want to advocate and let people know that it is different. Treatments are different and, and outcomes are very based on all of that. And so, and then you had recurrence of your breast cancer. Did you have metastasis or just, so are you considered metastatic or did you just have recurrence in the breast area? No, just um, lymph nodes. That's as just far the lymph as nodes. It, um, knock, knock. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, um, me too. Yeah, so I, I say just the lymph nodes, like it's no big deal, but I know they, I said just you, breast cancer. So yeah. I mean. you know what? After the Hodgkin's lymphoma, gosh, I sat in the doctor's office and the doctor said, Oh, you have breast cancer. And I said, How fucking unoriginal. <laughs> Sorry, can I say that? You, you already that did. That's happened. <laughs> That ship sailed. <laughs> no, but I did because I was like, okay, I had Hodgkins. Like, I didn't know anybody who had Hodgkins. I knew, I knew several women who had had <laughs> And it just came out of my mouth that I was like, really? Like, what? Come on. <laughs> anyway, oh, my gosh. You know note. what? You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. <laughs> There's a whole different... I was having this conversation with a girlfriend of mine who is uh, stage four. And she is living with her metastasis. And you just have these until you are in this boat. You, it's hard to explain. Like you can literally go from laughing about it to crying over it in a nanosecond. But you know, you find your humor where you can. And Absolutely. then it's interesting you how <laughs> your language changes, right? Or did you just have it in the recur in the breast? It's just, yeah. oh my goodness, trust me, as that fell out of my mouth, I caught it. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> just not just not fast enough. All right. So let's let's talk about sexy. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this, I wanted to I was excited for this conversation because a lot of times and we were talking in the uh, virtual green room about how a lot of times sex is defined also externally, right? And it's been a language really more so of the masculine energy um than of the feminine energy. And so you start going through this process 
And all of this sudden, because I will tell you, even after repeated reconstructions and multiple surgeries, I finally got to the best I'm going to get to, which is not where I was. I'll never see the previous self that that ship sailed. Right. So, (laughs) so adjusting to that, but really kind of redefining what's sexy and what's, what sensuality, what that feels like and looks like. And for you personally, and that is such a huge conversation. So yeah, you want to kick us off a little bit about how you, what you mean when you say redefining sexy, because if we look up sexy, we're going to find, yeah. Yeah. First and foremost, um, it starts with self-worth and self-love. Because if you don't tackle those two things, it's going to be more difficult for you to feel comfortable or intimate with somebody else. So for me, I have a, I have a program that I'm developing where it's different phases of kind of going through this process. And it starts with self-worth and there's also self-love and there's different activities activities or rituals that you can do. And it's really about getting intimate with yourself and finding that sexiness within you and on a physical level. So it could be something like dancing naked in front of the mirror to your favorite song. I mean, really getting your groove on, you know what I mean? And, and moving your body to a way that it is like sexy as hell, you know what I mean? So that kind of, that kind of thing, um, giving yourself self-massage, um, really getting intimate, knowing what feels good to you with your new body, with the way that it is now, because it's different. There might be areas you don't want touched. There might be areas that are sensitive. You have to know that. So really, I mean, every inch of you getting really intimate um, and then, you know, falling in love with who you are now, because there is a mourning process. I think that is so key that women don't do. You have to mourn the body that you once had to accept what is. So um, if you don't do that, you're going to have a really hard time moving forward and accepting and loving yourself as you are now. So I've done several of those kind of rituals over the, over the year that I had my spiritual awakening and that really got me to the other side. So I redefined sexy as I'm empowered I'm confident now. I know that I'm beautiful inside and out. Doesn't matter. There could be nobody on this planet who thinks I'm beautiful. Doesn't matter. I do. You know, and I've decided that for myself because it is who I am. I can't change it. You know, I can't at this point, I can't change it. And I, and I don't want to try to change it anymore because all of that desperation led me deeper and deeper into a dark place. You know, it's so true. The confidence is so paramount. And it's also something that is, that is stripped from us in this process in ways like that. That's a common thread. I obviously can only intimately speak from my own experience, but I can tell you that I went from someone who was, who had ran for state representative, who had no problem speaking publicly to feeling so stripped of my confidence that I had social anxiety meeting with friends. Like I got to the end of this and I'm like, how do I have a conversation with people now? That's not a cancer focused conversation. How do I integrate back into society and around? Yeah. And around what's normal. Mm-hmm. the old normal. And then I went through this period of just struggling to find the, uh, 
the normal that was. And I often say it's like trying to hold the same river water twice, right? Like that had passed. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. then it really was coming down to how do I accept and love me? And then I call, I said it was like being a teenager again. So now I'm having to adjust to my body and learn to right. love myself. Exactly. Myself. Exactly. That's it. And it's a pro- it's not easy. You know, and I feel like I'm more confident now than before I had all of this happened to me. Yeah. It's amazing. The evolution and it's, it is, it's mindset, but it, it, it's a process. Transformation doesn't happen overnight and you want to enjoy the process. You don't want to just flip the switch. You, you won't learn anything that way. You won't grow or expand. So it's a process and you move through it and it's, you know, it's up and down and it's yes. a beautiful thing. It yeah. really is. And I also loved what you said. I want to go back and talk a little bit about self-massage. Something that I I see often, I'm I'm in survivor groups and I'm sure you are too. And and sort of one of the one of the the common threads that comes up is just not wanting to touch, like not wanting to look is one thing, which is really it's complicated because you can't not see yourself when you dry yourself off. Like, you know, eventually you're going to, going to see it. And so what I say with uh, breast cancer is that there's just every day you are reminded every day you are reminded that you went through this because you're going to see or feel or have this reminder and talking about feel. So I, I was someone that I had cupping done and I had massage done because I had painful scarring. And so I had that type of uh, sensation. But when it came to feeling them, it was an odd thing because, and I think a lot of guys and we have, we have husbands and caregivers and, and boyfriends that listen, you know, the sensation that we have in that area is so different. And so it is kind of a trigger because at first you're like, wow, this either I don't feel anything, which is really hard, or it feels like your foot fell asleep, kind of numb, tingly as nerves are re- redoing their thing. And so talk to us a little bit about the power of not just seeing yourself, but also, as you said, massage and getting to know yourself again and getting to, to feel yourself again. Yeah, I think it's really important to eventually see yourself as a sensual being, even though I talk a lot about we're more than our physical selves. It's really who we are on a soul level. We still have bodies that we drive around in this life. And this is, you know, our our vehicle that, you know, it's important to take care of it. And this is, you know, what we've got while we're here. So you, you want to feel comfortable in your body, obviously in a safe way, if there's areas that you shouldn't be, you know, Roughen up, then don't, you know, don't get it. But when I'm talking about massage, I'm not talking about deep pressure like a massage therapist would do. I'm talking about a light gliding motion that feels good that you can explore your body. And even if in a sexual way you want to explore your body, it's a beautiful thing because you are a sexual, sensual being. We are human. So go to town, enjoy it. Because I think even after you have had these surgeries and you feel maybe less than, you you might not feel you're, like you're worthy of having um, pleasure in the way that you once did. And that's a shame. Yeah. You know, I mean, if anything, you deserve it even more you know, for everything <laughs> you've gone through. And, um, and, and it, 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 we, we go through so much pain yeah. and illness and we've been not feeling good. I mean, we, we deserve to feel good. So to really explore and, and 
not be afraid of that. And when the time is right, the time is right. You know, you, right. you can't force it. I mean, obviously, but when you get that glimmer of, okay, I think I'm ready to, to get to know this new physical being of mine, take it slow and just, you know, obviously in your own uh, space, safe space, private space, and um, get to know yourself before, you know, you jump into anything uncomfortable with a partner um, that, that you're not quite ready for. I think it's, First and foremost, you got to get to know yourself and see that you are worthy of experiencing joy and pleasure and happiness and that you are worthy of self-love and self-acceptance. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And, you know, for me, um, it, it was discovering my purpose. I think a lot of people get to this point where you realize, I mean, all the silver linings, right? Where you'd say, right. oh my gosh, it's not ideal. This is not what I would have chosen. But especially with the sexy soul search, when that came to me like a bolt of lightning, I was like, this is my purpose. I got, I get it now. I get it, <laughs> you know? So, um, so it, it, it's such a gift. It's like, okay, if I hadn't gone through all of that, I would not have been you know awoken to everything that I know now and, and the belief systems that I now have and how much I adore and, and appreciate myself and my body for kicking ass over the last 10 years you know yeah we're, we're, we're worthy of so much we just need to get out of our way and let it happen you know sometimes we, right. we we're thinking too much <laughs> you know? we do yeah. and and sometimes I think we also place that externally, right? That, that validation. And so really getting to know yourself. And I've said before on previous episodes, when my medical oncologist said to me, you know, many people say that, you know, breast cancer is, it was amazing for them in the end that they, you know, isn't that wild? Yeah. wild. <laughs> I get and, it. Yeah. And I will tell you as a newly diagnosed person, I probably never wanted to throat punch a doctor as much as I did at, at that moment. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. so yeah. because it doesn't make sense and, no, it and it's a long haul, right? That's, you know, I say cancer is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And the people who are there sending you flowers and cards and loving on you when you are first diagnosed and the people who are still with you years later, you know, yeah. not ever, not everybody makes it to the finish line. And that's, right. that's okay. That is absolutely okay. I think that's why I prefer the term thriver than survivor because we don't really ever survive it. It's ongoing. Yeah. It, it, even if we're in remission, 10 years, it's still part of you. Yeah. The experience, the some of the fears, all of that. So you have to thrive through it. You know, you're not merely like, oh, I survived it. I'm done. You right. Know? right. <laughs> you're still thriving. Yeah. That is such a great point. It really is never behind you. And, no. you know, not only are you daily reminded of, for the most part, and I, I'm five plus years out. And, you know, so yes, there might be days where, you know, my reminders now change. My reminder is I, I love my tattoos and I'll see my tattoo and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm thankful for those tattoos. I love them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is still there. And with that comes to your point of mental health, you know, it's not just the trigger of what we've been through that initial diagnosis. There's also the ongoing scans, the ever present uh, possibility of it returning. 
people asking those questions of, so, you know, are you in remission? Are you cured? Are you right? And and my answer is always like, well, I'm good today. Right. Like, because I, there's no ongoing process. I always say it's an ongoing process. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It is because even if, if you don't have recurrence for years, hopefully you're still doing the maintenance. You're still doing the things you're treating your body. Well, you're doing all those things to keep you well. So it is ongoing. Right. Always. But what I also love, and one of the reasons I really wanted to bring video to the guest episodes on the YouTube channel is that there are so many of us who, all of us, as we're thriving through this, you look at Pinktober, which I will admit is my least favorite month. And I'll probably have an episode on that in October. And that's my my birthday month. And it's (laughs) always like... I know. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> but the <laughs> images that we see, right? So I think back to when I was newly diagnosed and I think back to the images that came to mind that were the images that, that I was familiar with when thinking about cancer. And then the reality of that secret, not so secret club and finding so many people who were alive and living vibrantly in this diagnosis and is it was so eye-opening and so to see that honestly truly people could bump into either one of us on the street never know never never yeah that's so true yeah yeah absolutely it it it's yeah, it's it's amazing how far we've come in so many ways. So yeah, really, yeah, it yeah. really is. It really is. Okay, so let's talk about. We talked a little about redefining sexy, and getting in touch with self. What did you find was the most powerful thing about the exercise of dancing, and? especially naked in front of the mirror. Tell me a little bit about that. Why for that? Yeah. I mean, I think that that really, (laughs) it seems so silly. And when you're doing it, it's like nobody else is watching you go for it. And how fun once the music hits and you, and I love my body in ways. I mean, I do it often. Actually, I do think I'm to a place now I'm not saying I'm completely 100%. It's, again, an evolution. Everything is evolving. But I'm to a place now where it's like, this is me. This is the new normal. This, I I don't even honestly remember what I look, what my body looked like before, to be honest. And like, you know, I got tattoos and different things. So it looks completely different than I ever did before my diagnosis. And, um, and it is just who I am. And so it's so empowering to rock your body, like to just be proud of it and say, this is who I am. I'm going to move. I'm going to dance. I'm going to do everything that my body allows me to do in this moment because it fought through so much and it deserves it. Like it, you know, it's gotten us, our bodies have gotten us through thick and thin and we deserve to not only, you know, treat it well on a physical level, but to speak kindly. So if you're standing there and you're saying, oh, you're ugly. Oh, I don't like that. Your poor body. I mean, it has done so much for you. And it's in a place right now that you're still alive. So give it the love and the care and the nourishment that it deserves and speak kindly to it. That is one of the most important things that I do. So when I'm in the bathroom, dancing, naked in front of the mirror, I'm a 
appreciating all that my body has done for me. I'm like, you know, it's, it's perfect. It is. It's perfect. I'm able, some people can't dance. Some people can't, you know, can't move their body. So I'm so grateful for what I can do. What I do have, there's always somebody worse off. Yeah. So instead of, you know, I used to have pity parties for me all the time. It's like, I don't, I have no right to do that. There's going to be somebody that can't even get up and move. They can't even, you know, do the things that I am so grateful to be able to do on a daily basis. So um, I have nothing to complain about. I love, I love what you said earlier about mourning though, because, you know, you do have to mourn the loss. And one of the things that I see often and, and have heard is, well, you know, you should be thank, I've actually even had people say to me, well, you know, you should be thankful that you're still alive. Well, yeah, I am. But that does not override or remove my right to mourn the loss and trauma that I have had. One does not override the other. They are, they are happening in tandem. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go through that. I had to go through that. That morning, it was dark. It was dark, you know. So I'm not saying like, oh, everything's been jolly since, you know, since then. But now I, I am to a place where I can appreciate it. And, um, and feel like really comfortable and, um, not so, not so sad. It's not ideal. Obviously I wouldn't choose, choose it in that way. But, um, but at the time, yeah, I, oh man, tears and sadness and depression and, and, and to a point, like I said, I, I was so desperate that the, the, I mean, I can't even count how many surgeries I've had to try to get my body to a place where I could accept it. And it, and then at one point I was like, this is like a cruel joke. The more I try, the worse it looks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so, and yeah, it was, it was, it was deep. It was dark. It was all of the emotions, all fear and anger and frustration and shame. And I mean, all of those emotions that you can imagine. I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of journaling. I, of course, with some of my closer friends that, um, you know, have gone through it as well. A lot of, a lot of girl talk, uh, a lot of chatting like that and, and things to work through it. But it, it, it was definitely a process to mourn. And I think that people need to be, you know, women need to be okay with that and allow that to happen and don't be um, ashamed of that. And, um, you know, and however long it takes you, um, just, just like you would lose anything that's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, when, when I was going through the process, my significant other, my husband Griff asked me a really poignant question at one point. And because I was starting to dismiss it, right? I was like, ah, they're just boobs. Oh, I'm just being vain. Oh, it's not like I need them for anything. Uh, right. And so as I'm busy kind of, uh, emotionally distancing myself from what it is that I'm trying to feel like my, my brain and my body is trying to process this. And I am just really busy trying to be logical and shut it down. And he asked me the question of, are you sure? Well, he's really good. He first asked permission to ask a question. Do you want feedback or do you want me to just listen? And, um, always a dangerous question with him. And so (laughs) I, (laughs) I said, feedback. Sure. Go ahead. Hit me. And his question was, are you sure you're not confusing identity and vanity? Mm. And that hit me really hard. 
because it is a part of your identity. It is Mm -hmm. a part of your person. And I think that in at least, you know, I can't speak for other cultures. I can only speak for the culture I grew up in. And then, of course, the era I grew up in. Breasts in the United States are highly sexualized. And we don't necessarily appreciate the fact that they are what they were originally intended for, right? Oh my God. Yeah. That's a whole topic. Uh, yeah. Interesting topic. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so it is this interesting thing where I'll, and, and of course, cosmetic surgery in the States, I forget now. Oh my gosh. I'll have to look at the stats again. And I'll, if I remember, I'll put those in the show notes, how many plastic surgery procedures, how many breast augmentations there are per day is astounding. E- elective. Yes, elective, yeah. which is entirely different. And right. then kind of coming back to that, and I, I do want to come back to this because I think this is important too for anyone listening, for any caregiver listening, for anyone going through this. If you're thinking that the one and done is the norm, I, I, in my experience and with what I've seen through others in, in survivor groups, the one and done as it meaning I had a mastectomy and then I had reconstruction and that's all I needed. That is more the exception than the rule. And for many of us, it is a couple of attempts with everything going on in the body to get get back if you can, because your story also is a common one where, you know, whether it's because people tried, whether, uh, you know, and had failed implants, whether it's because they had an implant, because now we have uh, the textured implants and the risk of additional cancer from those. So, yeah. So, and then there are women who, really struggle with breast implant illness symptoms. Yes. And so it's, it's really not a, it's not a boob job, which is entirely different, entirely different, um, in the process and in the aesthetic. And then B it's often not one and done. And so you really are, um, and there are so many different procedures. I'm going to have a plastic surgeon on to talk about all the different procedures because, and there are even new ones. But still, um, I think my last guest probably said it best. Like question one is, do you want a breast mound or not? Like how important is that to you? Mm-hmm. And we're seeing sort of that transition with the aesthetic flat closure and more women just choosing to remain yeah. flat and saying I'm yeah. done because it's so hard on me and my body to yeah. continue yes. through this. So yeah. anyway. You know, it's true because, it, and it does identify um, you in that way. Because I mean, that's a woman's body. And I know for me, you know, a little sex talk here, like the breasts were so pleasurable. You know, that was, that was something that was really difficult to let go of. You know, I still, you know, had to mourn that too. And I, that's still something that's like, that's unfortunate, you know, to, to give away that kind of pleasure center. But you're right. It's breasts are to feed children. I mean, that's, that's why we have them. So the, pleasure part is secondary to that. Um, so there's a whole emotional component to that, especially if women want to have children. Now they're not able to breastfeed or, you know, for me, it was, it was a real sad sadness for me when I, it's like, Oh, these were the, these were what nourished my children. And now look, you know, it's just, it, 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 it kind of cuts, cuts deep. And, um, but yeah, the, the, the cosmetic surgery, um, part of it, it, it's it's tricky. It's really tricky because again, we're so. I, I hate to use the word desperate, but that's how I felt. I was so desperate to get sort of some sort of semblance back of the body that I once had that I was doing any whatever it took, not even considering the damage that it was doing or you know the long term 
negative effects and what I dealt with along the way because of the pressure. And you, there are times where I, I have, I have one, I'm missing one breast. So I do put like a little prosthetic when I go out of the house, but sometimes I leave the house and I'm like, Oh damn, I forgot my boo. Like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's kind of like a nuisance. I don't have to go out with the prosthetic, but sometimes I think, and this is a silly thing to think, but I think I, I don't want it to make anybody else feel uncomfortable. I don't know. You know what I mean? Because, and it's silly, but it's like, you know, I don't even want it to be like a, Oh, there's something off there. They're not even looking though. You know, half the time, more the majority of the time, people probably aren't even looking to see that you're, you know, lopsided or whatever. It's just you, but it's just funny. You've got to find the humor. And I do sometimes it's like, Oh, it's such a nuisance to have to put this prosthetic in. And I just leave the house and it's, you know, get into the car and like, Oh dang it. You got to run back upstairs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love what you said though, about connecting, like for you, the, the emotional, and I'm going to bring us back to mental health with this. This is sort of my goal. Um, how in addition to, well, I'm going to back up a little bit for starters. Yes. Breasts are, you know, designed as, as a, a means for nourishment. I think a lot of times I, I personally do not have children, but I, most of my friends do. <laughs> and the attachment that is there with the bonding that happens for those who have breastfed to lose that element is a, a, a deep loss in, um, that is compounded is probably a better way because it's a deep loss for all of us, but it is compounded or has a, a deeper element in that regard. As far as sexuality, I always joke and say, well, because <laughs> women aren't supposed to like it, right? So breasts, when it comes to sex, have really been defined by men, or at least what's been shared with us in the United States around breasts is defined by what men consider to be sexy and sexual and sensual. And frankly, there is a lot less conversation about how that is a pretty important erogenous zone and that women, yeah, we actually, that there's a reason there's still humans here. So yes, yes, actually, yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. thing we, if we participate in. Um, yeah. And so, and even finding language around that, right? Like owning that and bringing that back. So, but I think that's a big part of the mental health gap, right? Because none of this is discussed. I did not you can look back and say, hindsight 2020, how could you not know that with that kind of damage, you weren't going to have sensation there? But I didn't. I'd never had a major surgery. I had no idea that I was going to wake up with staples in my chest, with wadded up tissue, and absolutely no sensation, that I wouldn't feel the staples come out, that, and that it would be years before I would start to get some of that sensation back. And then when I did, you know, it's hard to explain to somebody, like when you're doing this and you're like, is that my finger feeling that? Yeah. Or is that my skin feeling? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's odd. And unless you go through it, you don't, you don't know. And I don't, um, for me, I had a nipple grafting. So I had half of one, you know, my other breast nipple grafted onto the mastectomy side during the reconstruction. So now, and, and I wasn't told this either. Now that, I, I mean, one could deduct, but, um, you know, I was told that, no, you know, it'll be fine, but there's, it's not no longer an erogenous zone either. So I'm, 
even though I have one, you know, one of my breasts still, um, it's not no pleasure there. It's numb. It's it painful at times, you know, because of that grafting surgery. I mean, these are things to consider. You don't know. And I, and I will go so far as to say that that is a byproduct of breasts being sensual from a male perspective versus being sensual from a female perspective, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the attempt is to give you nipples on either side. The loss was to you for the potential gain for the aesthetic, Aesthetic, which would would be for someone else. And, um, you know, maybe for you too, if that's important to you, but you don't know unless you have all the information for that conversation. Right, right, right. Yeah. You have to decide which is more important. And, you know, for me, if I would have known, I wouldn't have, I would have opted not to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm a research hound. And I had, you know, and again, you know, the the doctors that you have, oh, my goodness, right? Like, we don't all have the amazing uh, communicators for doctors, we don't all get somebody with a good bedside manner, or somebody that thinks to communicate that sort of assumed knowledge that they have. And this is like their 10th conversation of the day, but it's your first conversation ever about it. And even with that, I still had clearly some gaps in the good providers I had. But fortunately, when I had my uh, consult for reconstruction prior to having my mastectomies, the plastic surgeon did tell me, well, typically, if you do just because we could only see cancer in one, and yet I, I did do both. And I'll probably talk about that when I talk about ILC. But part of that decision, there was a lot that went into that decision. One of the things he said to me was, well, typically, because we can't match your size, because I was larger than the largest implant would get me, we still do surgery to the healthy breast. And so you're still, he told me, you're still going to lose nipple sensation. You're still going. So he went through all of that. And what was interesting is I, I had my gynecologist saying to me, well, I would think it would be easier to keep the one breast so that you have one natural breast and one natural nipple and one, but the thing is like, it's, it's carpet bombed, (laughs) you know, like it's not like that. It's not like the one doesn't have anything. So it is a really interesting process and, and understanding the questions to ask in the, because you're right. Like you can look back and say, well, I should have been able to know that, but you don't. Yeah. And not only that, it's you, so overwhelming. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You are literally, I, I think back to when I was first diagnosed and I tell people, well, yeah, I was so focused on living like my day to day was what decision do I need to make today that is going to give me the best possible outcome and hopefully ensure that I'm on the tail end of the bell curve that I'm looking at when it comes to my di- my my cancer, my diagnosis, my stage. And eventually it was, what decision do I need to make this month? And then it was, what decision do I need to make this quarter? <laughs> but that's really kind of so how much you- pressure. It is. And it's so, so fast. It's all on us. No matter if the doctor says this, family members say that, friends give their advice. Ultimately, we have to make the decision. So much pressure. And we just have to keep the faith that, you know, we do the best we can. We learn from the decisions and choices that we've made. We move forward the best way we can. Yeah, definitely. 
Hey, Tammy here, and I am so excited to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Riverdance Soapworks. When I was first diagnosed with breast cancer, I immediately started paying extra attention to what I ate and the products I used. That's when I discovered Deb and her team of artisans at Riverdance Soapworks, where they handcraft luxurious, natural, and good-for-the-body products like soaps, deodorants, and body butters, products that we use in our house every day. Griff loves the cedar whiskey soap and my favorite, well, I love the kawaii ginger. These soaps are handcrafted, hydrating, and luxurious enough to make you want to wash those hands for 20 seconds or more. Visit RiverdanceSoapWorks.com to check out their many amazing products and mention my name, Tammy, with a purchase of $25 or more and you'll receive a free trial size hand sanitizer while supplies last. So don't delay and visit RiverdanceSoapWorks.com today. So you are such a huge advocate for that mental health side and talk to us because I, I love that personally. Talk to us about, is that, is that your re- reconnecting to the soul? And is that really kind of, I mean, obviously redefining sexy as well, but your tools for reconnecting to the soul and your tools for mental health based on the lessons you've learned, like what kind of tips and guidance would you give to someone who is going through this? And I'm going to say whether you were just diagnosed or you are 10, 20 years out and still struggling with an element of this because there will still be elements that are there. Right. So for me, um, it's no matter what your faith or belief system is, for me, it was about discovering that I am more than this physical body. Maybe not everybody connects with that, but that's, um, that was pivotal for me. And I hadn't really thought about it to the extent that I did once all of this kind of went down. So for me, I think that that was, that was key is finally having that aha moment to say, yeah, I, I am not this physical body, this physical body, you know, I'm, a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. Like that to me was really important to, to um, acknowledge that. That right there was a shift mentally for to get to wrap my head around, okay, don't get too attached to this physical body. Treat it well, treat it with kindness. It's what you've got here. It's what's going to get you from A to B. It's going to be what, you know, helps you enjoy your family, the, the, the pleasures in life. But the bigger picture is that it's not what defines me and, you know, anymore. Like I had to let go of that. I had to no attachment to this physical self other than I want it to be healthy. And I'm a real advocate of holistic and integrative healing. And I've been through conventional and completely alternative therapies over the last 10 years. So, um, you know, I believe meditation, breath work, um, really are key for um, mental health. And for me, that, that was a game changer when I started to adopt those practices. And, uh, and then just really catching myself if I'm not speaking kindly to myself, if I'm, say, if I'm being judgmental and really catching it and say, okay. And I talk to myself in such a loving way now that I never even did before cancer. So again, it's one of those blessings in disguise. And so all day, every day, and that's the other thing about looking in your in the mirror. Uh, whenever I look in the mirror, I say, "I love you. You're going to have a great day. You got this. You're amazing. Who are you going to help today?" 
I love you. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of happiness in this life. You're worthy of all the blessings that your heart desires. And, and that's really important. And I think it's, it's great to do it while you're walking around in the day. But if you can look at yourself in the mirror and have that heart to heart with yourself and mean it and really mean it. Oh my gosh, the game changer. I don't know that people speak to themselves in that way. Like you would your child or your sister, you know, it's really important. We don't, we don't do that really. And again, we're not, we're not told that I have a daughter Today's her birthday. She's 20. Um, so it's important for us to teach our children self-love and self-respect. Because how can you love others or respect others if you don't first start with yourself? So that, that's really key with mental health. I love that. That is so, that is so powerful and so true. And if anything, we are oftentimes hypercritical of ourselves, right? Because we are comparing ourselves to uh, whomever it is that whatever it is, you know, you look at, you look at how sexy was defined and how fashion has been defined through the ages, right? And for women, it's like, no, the ideal body is to cinch yourself in a corset and put a big hoop skirt on. So you look like you have a, you know, big backside. That's what's in or twiggy. That's what's in or so you know there's there's a whole just outside of breast cancer a whole issue which you touched on earlier right with just being self-confident and being it being connected to yourself and really defining for yourself do you know what's so empowering is that we get to decide what's beautiful and sexy yes it's up to us nobody can tell us it's uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder right yep it's exactly it. We get to decide. So today, decide that you are beautiful and sexy. Decide it. Make that affirmation. That is truth. That is fact. It is. And there is, is. nothing, there is nothing more beautiful than a confident person. And and that does take that beauty out of the lens of fashion of society of the view from other people it really does bring it back to you because it is that mm-hmm. confidence and yeah. it's you know as i talk to you it's interesting because i i keep in my mind hearing the one part of maya angelo's still i rise poem that um just has stuck with me for forever and you know does my sexiness upset you does it come as a surprise that i dance like i've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs and that poem just gives me chills yeah oh my gosh i can't i cannot wait to actually read it again now and and that impacted me in my youth that was one of those poems that impacted me in my youth because as a woman she was she was claiming her agency and owning it in that. And it was also coming from such a a painful place for her, if you know the full story. And um, yeah, but being able to define that yourself, own that yourself, walk in your confidence and and, uh, control your agencies, it's paramount. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is my dream for every woman to feel that way. Ah. There's no reason why we can't or shouldn't. It's just, you know, it's it's a process. Unfortunately, it's not easy. I, I mean, that's such a shame, but um, it's definitely possible. And, you know, I empower every woman to, to walk that path. I love it. So I know for me that part of my reclamation process was getting my tattoos. And 
replacing what reminded me of dark times with something that was beautiful and meaningful to me. And Mm -hmm. that's just one. And that's not for everybody. Not everybody wants tattoos. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was ours. It was cool. Yeah, I know. Gosh. Yes. Yeah. Labor of love. <laughs> it, it was. And, you know, and that was also an interesting process because I have people ask me all the time, did it hurt? Right. And cause I have two huge pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it's true because, um, well, especially if you, if the area is numb, cause I, I had the same thing and it was, and it didn't really hurt. Like my other tattoos hurt and it was kind of an odd feeling. It's like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I often, I say it's like having somebody just hold an oral B toothbrush to your skin because you feel the vibration yeah. um until yeah. there until there's a nerve that's awake and then yeah. and then you're like ah but, spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I have a I have another piece that I would love to have and part of me is like no because I know that that is gonna hurt. <laughs> yeah yeah after that and then going back to you know the really painful experience. Yeah. Yeah mm-hmm. definitely so but what other so we've talked about sort of that, um, that reclamation. So some of the tools you've talked about, you've talked about, um, the dancing in the mirror and the massage, but you've also mentioned breathing and breath work and, and meditation. So what are some of the goals that you, especially when you're working with other survivors that you are giving them and, or helping them, um, to achieve, cause I'll tell you, meditation was not easy for me. So helping folks to, to get it's to, not, it's not easy for most people. And I think the idea of meditation, people have wrong. It's not that you're trying to eliminate all thoughts from your mind because that's impossible. So, um, I think people put pressure on themselves. Oh, it's not working. I'm not doing it right. And that's not the point. The point is to invite in that quiet and that stillness. And if you are, um, and, and to acknowledge the thoughts, but not be attached to them to realize that the thoughts are not serving you. That's, that's what meditation is. And then, you know, to, to escort them away and that's it. And if you do have a a mantra, that's, you know, a a phrase or a word or a sound. And I usually use something um, that I need for that day, like um, empowerment or um, faith or whatever word that resonates with me at the moment that's going to be my mantra that I'll focus on. So if, if thoughts come into my mind, I I redirect my focus on the mantra. And that really just, I mean, the, the effects of that for me, sharper um, mental clarity, more patience, more just joy, and it helps with acceptance and just so many positive things from taking 10, 15 minutes every day to unattach from the stresses that are going through your mind, you know? So for me, that, that is really important practice and, and breath as well. So my meditations are uh, around breath too. So sometimes the, the, I won't do a mantra. I'll just focus on the breath. So if the, the, the monkey mind acts up, I, I redirect back to the breath. You know, and they've proven this. I mean, meditation is no longer the, the Buddhist on the mountaintop. It's, it's been proven scientifically that it has a profound effect, effect on uh, mental and emotional well-being. So um, it's a tool that, you know, I know it's difficult, but I think people, they, they get it. They get the idea wrong about it because you can't quiet the mind. The, the brain will always be thinking thoughts. It's how you handle it, what you do with them and to, to really, um, not attach yourself to those thoughts because they're just thoughts. They're going to move through 
And then you just bring yourself back to, you know, your state of consciousness and just who you are in that moment. And all you are is that essence, that soul essence, you know? Yeah, I know for me, that was a big challenge because I was expecting at first to be able to shut my brain off and find, I guess I was expecting to find a completely silent, dark space to exist in. And it it can happen. It can happen. It's called the bliss field, where it's almost like you're in between being awake and asleep. And that's a really beautiful thing in meditation. So and you don't know where you are, you're kind of like, and that's something like what you're, you've just described there, but it will happen when it's meant to happen. And it, and it can happen. It doesn't happen every time I meditate, but um, the longer you meditate for, you usually get a little deeper into gotcha. it and it, it can happen. But if you ha- ha- don't have a thought-free meditation, you're doing everything right. You're doing <laughs> everything right. So not to worry. Yeah. I love that because I think that one of the things, and this goes back to something you said earlier about speaking kindly to yourself. One of the things I noticed after I got past my, and I, I will be honest, I had to finally download a meditation app and that is what helped me break through that part of it, right? And understand that what my goal should be because at first it almost felt like an assault on myself from myself because here I am sitting here in this quiet and it felt like all of my insecurities were sort of piling on all of that self-talk that was not necessarily positive was piling on. And then for whatever reason, you know, we hang on to those more than we hang on. Somebody can say something nice. 10 people could say something nice. One person says something not nice. And that's the thing that we're focused on for whatever reason. And so in the end, now that I'm a few years out of it, I'm so glad that I did spend time learning to meditate because I got familiar with the unkindness and it was almost a subconscious unkindness that I was expressing on myself that meditation gave me the tools to start to correct, to acknowledge, acknowledge it, but not live in it, not even necessarily accept it, right? Like that's, that's not the truth. You might be feeling that in that moment but you are still beautiful. You are still strong. Your your body kicked ass to keep you alive. Give it a little love. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know, we live in a world of duality, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't understand what um, beauty is unless you know what your definition of ugly is. You can't understand pain unless you understand pleasure. You can't. So everything's opposite. So it's okay to have those negative thoughts so that you can understand what the opposite of that is. You know, it's duality. Yeah, you're right. It's, it is, it is critically important. And I think the other big pro for me was also coming out of that understanding what was coming from me and what was outside influence, what I, where Mm -hmm. I was competing or comparing with, Whether it was competing and comparing with the previous me before I was hit by the Mac. Oh, God. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. I'm guilty. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that fit person that could do a pull up and then, you know, I I couldn't lift five gallons of milk. (laughs) Doctor's orders. (laughs) So having all of that. So I absolutely love it. Oh, 
Okay. So we have talked about some amazing tips. We have talked about really, oh my gosh, I just love the message that you are so much more than your physical body. We've talked about meditation. We have talked about really that connection of massage and getting, really getting to know you again and being able to feel confident to take ownership of that element. And we talked about so much more. And I did want to ask you though, as we start to wrap up, one of the things on your website, which is sexysoulsearch.com for anybody who's going to be looking uh, for Kat or her Instagram is beautiful because she's in the, I say Caribbean and you say Caribbean. Is that right? Oh, either way, tomato, tomato. <laughs> she lives the where there's... Here say, <laughs> they say Caribbean. So I've just adopted that, but I think Americans say Caribbean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> So, but anyway, your Instagram, my whole point of that is your Instagram photos are absolutely stunning because you have that sunshine thing and all of that beautiful water. Um, but you yeah. talk about, and I wrote it down because I want to, you called yourself in the past, the queen of vanity. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was the one who wanted to turn heads. I mean, I, you know, the low cut blouses, the short skirts, you know, um, throughout my younger years, I, don't, I wouldn't even say even in my 30s, um, I was guilty of that as well, before, up until before um, my up until my diagnosis. And um, it mattered. I mean, I would. Oh, that's the other thing. So I would never leave the house without makeup. I would never leave the house without being completely put together. So one of the other rituals I adopted is being okay with leaving the house not put together, completely makeup-free, grubby, whatever. It, the things I would have never done that would have yep. terrified me to no end. Um, so, yes. So those are the, some of the things. Um, you know, like I mentioned, not, not wearing my prosthetic. When I was going through chemo, not wearing the wigs or the scarves. Um, um, just really putting myself out there. This is me. Take it or leave it. You know, and um, I, I think that that was so important um, to really shift what I thought about myself and the way that I looked and really set the foundation for where I am now and that I'm able to, you know, I enjoy getting dressed up and, and doing my makeup and everything. But again, it's not what defines me anymore. You can take it or leave it, you know, but it, it makes me feel good at certain circumstances, but I'm okay with not doing it. And that's, that's the important message. Would you say then that comparing sort of, as you just described it, the past wanting to turn heads, that was more for external. And now you're more about internal, like what makes me feel good. And exactly. yes, it, it, it feels good, right? Like we're humans. Sure. That is part but of I have the a choice now. Like I didn't feel like I had a choice then. Like I, would never have done that because it, I would have felt so awful about myself. So it wasn't even a question, but wow, now yeah. I have the choice. I can, I can go out completely natural. I can go out deck, decked out, you know? Um, and it's my choice and I'm okay with either. I love so, it. Yeah. Yeah. So the queen, I was definitely one vain chick. Let me <laughs> tell you. So, so I always said, I said, now, this is a cruel joke because, you know, the, I used to have the girls out, the cleavage, everything, and then to, to be diagnosed with breast cancer and to have to go through mastectomy and everything. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Like, this, yeah. this was, that was something that was so who I was at the time. I was completely about this physical body. 
you know, it's just one of those really interesting lessons, really interesting lessons. So, um, yeah, because there's no cleavage anymore and, uh, that, you know, and I'm, I'm good. I'm groovy. It is like, I, you know, what can I do? Yeah. It's all, it's all good. I enjoyed it while I had it. It was fun. This is a whole new phase. This is a whole new chapter. So I love it. Yeah. That is such a good message. So, all right, as we wrap up here, and I always, I swear, these conversations are always so good. It's like coffee with a long lost friend or a long lost breast. Absolutely. I, love I know. It. <laughs> so as we, as we start to wrap up, what would be the, and this is always the hard question, the one thing that you would want to leave people with, that you would want to leave our listeners with um, when it comes to becoming a thriver, finding, redefining sexy, or reconnecting to their soul? What's the one thing you would want to leave as a takeaway? That, that is hard. There's so many. Um, I often think about what I would have wanted to hear, what I needed to hear. And that, that's the thing and why I do what I'm doing and the, the message that I'm trying to get out there because I wish I had it at the time because it took me quite a long process to get through it. And now I've got the tools and, and kind of like a little program that helps women to get through it. And I wish that I would have had that. But my kind of tagline and the thing that I've said already many times that I have to tell myself regularly still is that I am so much more than my body and my true sexiness radiates from my soul. That is, that is, that, that phrase right there, when that came to me, it was like, it was that light bulb. It's so true because who I am, the essence of who I am is sexy as hell. I am a beautiful being, like to my core, I know who I am. I know what I, what I'm capable of. I'm compassionate and giving and kind and all of these things that I know that I am. And that is sexy. All that I am in my core, my essence is the definition of sexy. I love that. That would be an amazing mantra for anyone to meditate exactly. on. Yes. That alone. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So if folks wanted to reach you other than taking an awesome vacation to a tiny little island somewhere out <laughs> in the Caribbean, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so um sexysoulsearch.com, like you mentioned. I'm also on Instagram at sexy soul search and Facebook at sexy soul search. Um so yeah, I, I put out content regularly and it's really about inspiring you to discover who you are on a deep soul level, to discover that you are sexy, empowered, vibrant. You're all of those things that you want to be, you already are. Powerhouses. So I'm, I'm happy. Yes. I'm just happy to be of service and to help help women. Um, you know, there's there's so many great people out there doing great work for advocacy and, um, you know, even health, nutrition, that kind of thing. But again, the spiritual, mental, emotional side, I'm having a hard time finding it out there and I'm looking, you know, so I just really want to open up that conversation and to help women because no matter what your age, no matter where you are in your journey, it, this piece of it is going to be with you the entire way. You I know, love it's a it. process. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
It is a process. And thank you so much for sharing your personal story, your tips, your ideas. Oh my goodness. And, and your tool, your tools for how you have been able to reconnect to your soul and redefine sexy for you and really step out empowered and self-loved and, you know, self-loved, which is so huge that you're able to express that to yourself for all of us for that is just such an amazing goal. And that's cancer or not being able to be confident and loved in who you are as you are accepting your flaws and your faults and which sometimes those I will say are also some of your biggest advantages. So yes, yes. and assets. So yeah, absolutely. So Kat, thank you so much. And again, this is Kat Phillips, who's joined us today from Sexy Soul Search. And she is absolutely amazing. So many great tips and ideas and conversation today. If you want to add to the conversation and you're seeing this anywhere on any of the socials or even on the blog, leave us a comment. We always love to hear from you. And you can find us in all of the usual pod playing places. So whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify or all of those things, or even out on YouTube. And of course, at yourkillerlife.com. Don't forget to subscribe and like, and that way you get a notification. And thank you so much for joining us again for another episode. And Kat, thank you again for being here. And until next time, oh, you bet. And until next time, keep building your killer life. Thank you for listening to Your Killer Life. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information about what you heard on today's show, visit us at yourkillerlife.com or visit our YouTube channel. You will also find us in all the usual places on social media. We have another great episode queued up for you next week. And until then, keep building your killer life.